and speaking boldly. So listen to God's word as I read. I'm going to start in verse 5. Acts 4, verse 5, and we're going to go to verse 22. And it's printed in your order of worship if you don't have a Bible. Listen to God's word. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For what, a, for what that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would uh, lead us as we look at this passage, that your spirit would work in us to open our eyes to see what you want us to see, to understand the truth that you want us to understand. And Father, we pray that your spirit would work to change us, because that is what we need. We need to hear you and we need to be changed, and it's only by the power of your spirit that that can happen. So... Uh, We thank you for the gift of your spirit, and we count on him now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was watching a a talk show a while ago, you know, where some celebrities were sitting on a couch talking to the host, and and one of the celebrities was Tom Hanks, and he was um, just sharing story after story from his life. It was just like incredibly engaging stories, really interesting stories, amazing stories, um, and, and just entertaining stories that like, had you like, on, the, on the edge of your seat just hearing him tell all these stories. And I was thinking to myself, man, my life is like so regular. It's so common. Um, you might almost maybe say boring. Like, I, I can only imagine what would happen if I was on one of these talk shows and they asked me to share a story. And I'd just be like, well, I was on my way to work. 
and I got there. <laughs> I uh, typed up this email one time, and I pressed send. <laughs> this other great story, I, I, I was sitting on my couch. That's it. That's the story. <laughs> I, you know, I just thought about my life is so common, so regular. You know, it's, it's not something that I would think other people would like look at and be like, that's amazing. It would be, would be astonished by, right? And uh, yet I, I, I have this longing. You know, I, I want my life to be more astonishing, I want my life to be, to be uh, telling stories where other people look on and they're like, that, I can't believe it. They're, they're just astonished and blown away, right? I long for that. I, th- I think God wants that for me and for us. And I, as I read this passage, I'm, I'm incredibly encouraged because um, here you have this passage in the context of the religious leaders questioning Peter and John. In verse 13, what does it say? It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... They perceived that they were uneducated, common men. Peter and John, they're, they're guys, common, regular, just like me, right? And yet, these common men, something was happening in their lives, things were happening, and it says, they were astonished. The crowds, the leaders, the, the, the enemies of Peter and John, they are astonished at these regular, common guys. At the story that was being woven through their lives, told through their lives. And, and that encourages me because, okay, I'm common like them, so maybe my life can be astonishing like theirs. And so I, I, want, I, I want to look at this passage, first of all, and just, and just look at you know, four things as you look at these guys and, and what's happening in their lives, um, four kind of characteristics of what make a life astonishing, okay? Just real quickly, I'm going to go through these. Um, and so, first of all, an astonishing life is a life that has something to say. That's clearly true of Peter, right? He obviously has something to say. If you read the first four chapters of Acts, three out of those four chapters is a lot of Peter talking. He's talking a lot. Chapter 2, he gave a, a, a big, long sermon, a big, long speech. Chapter 3, he gave another sermon, another speech. Here, as he talks to the, to the religious leaders, he gives another speech. He has a lot to say. He cannot help but talk. And he has something important to say, right? He has something incredibly important to say. And he even says, you know, I can't help but talk. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard in verse 20. Peter has something to say. And that, that's, I think, all astonishing lives. Any, any life that I've looked at in, in, in history, you know, uh, somebody that really stands out, they always have something to say, this overriding message that they have to get out, Right? And so an astonishing life has something to say. An astonishing life doesn't run from opposition as it faces opposition. There, there's opposition involved in, in lives that are astonishing, and, and you see that here. Again, Peter and John, they have, they have helped this man become whole. You know? They have helped this man be healed. They have done a good deed to a crippled man, as they said here. And yet what happens? They face opposition. They're arrested. They're thrown in jail for doing a good thing. And then they're brought before these guys who threaten them, right? Who charge them not to talk, to be quiet. They're facing opposition. And, and that's another thing that's true about lives that are astonishing. They, they, they're lived out in the context of difficulty and opposition, obstacles. You know, if, if you read any really good story, any really good story that you read, 
always has conflict, doesn't it? For it to be a good story, there has to be conflict. There has to be a bad guy. There has to be opposition for the main character to triumph against, to work towards a good ending. And so another thing that makes a life astonishing is, is that it doesn't run from opposition. It engages with opposition. Okay? So it's, it's a life that has something to say, a life that faces opposition. Uh, thirdly, it's a life that's fearless. That's another thing you see as you look at Peter and John. They are fearless here, right? Think about these guys that they're facing. They have, these are the guys that are partly responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They're the ones who have killed Jesus, Peter and John's friend, their master, their leader. Not that much long before that. And, and they have the power over their lives too, to possibly kill them. And, and yet they stand their ground. They're fearless, right? They say, judge whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God in verse 19. They're not afraid. They're not afraid of these guys. They're not afraid of what they can do to them. They're not afraid of what they will say about them or what they will think about them. They're fearless. So that's another characteristic of a life that is astonishing, is a life that's fearless. And, and fourthly, the last thing that I see in here that makes a life astonishing is, is the life that brings healing. I think one of the, the, the really cool things in here is that as they're, as they're being questioned, one of the things that it, it points out, as it says in, in verse uh, 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. You know, as they're, as they're questioning them, as they're attacking them, as they're threatening them, the whole time there's this man standing there that they cannot deny who's been lame his entire life. He's standing there next to them. And God has worked healing through Peter and John. And this, guy, this man's life has been changed. It's been transformed, right? They're standing next to a person who has been impacted in a life-transforming, life-changing way and has been healed. So th- these are the four characteristics that I see in this passage of, of a life that is astonishing. You know, if I want to live a life that's astonishing, you know, I, I need to have something to say. I need to not run from opposition. I need to not run from, from difficulty in life and obstacles. I need to be fearless. And I need to work really hard to bring healing to people around me. That's not too difficult, right? That's not too hard. Well, you know, I think all of those things are true. As, they, as you look at Peter's life, th- this is what makes a life astonishing. But there's a secret ingredient. There's a secret ingredient. We had the chili cook-off here yesterday, right? Some of you guys had secret ingredients to your chili that made it that much better. There's a secret ingredient here, as you look at what makes a life astonishing, that produces all these things. And again, if you look at verse 13, look at verse 13. He says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And then if you keep reading, what does it say? They recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. That is what made all the difference in these guys' lives. They had been with Jesus. That's why they had something to say. They had been with Jesus, the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for my, for, for my sheep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I came to, not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And they watched Jesus die on the cross. They, they, and then they, they, they watched Jesus as he appeared to them after rising from the dead. 
They had talked with the risen Jesus. They had sat with the risen Jesus and eaten with the risen Jesus. Jesus was alive and they knew it. They had been with him. And so they knew without a shadow of a doubt that there, as as Peter says in verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given by, by men by which they must be saved. They had the ultimate thing to say. You know, people throughout history, they, they have lived for all sorts of big causes. And, and, and there, there have been famous people who have had things to say to try to change culture. This is the ultimate thing. There is salvation in no one else. It's only through Jesus that you can be made whole. Um, it says early, just a couple of verses earlier before that, before 13 in verse 11... Verse 10, I'll start there. It says, Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. When it says standing before you well, other translations say standing before you healthy, other, other translations say standing before you made whole. Maybe a t- translation or two say he's standing before you saved. The The... The word that, uh, that's used, that Luke often used in the book of Acts to, to describe somebody being, being healed, a physical person who's, who's physically sick, being healed, is, is tied to the word that, that Luke uses to, to describe being saved of your sins. It's, it's to be given complete health, real health. This man who is, who is lame is now standing next to them is a picture of what Jesus can do in every way in your life to make us whole people. And it's only through Jesus that we can become truly healthy in every aspect of life. It's only through Jesus that we can be made whole. There's nothing else in the world. Our our world spends all of its energy trying to find healing, find wholeness, and all sorts of things. But Peter knows because he's been with the author of life himself, which we read last week. Peter knows that life is found, wholeness is found, health is found only in Jesus. And so obviously he has something to say because he's been with Jesus himself. What are you saying with your life? What am I saying with my life? Do you have something that's, that's weighing on, the, on you that you have to communicate? Do you understand this, this life and death issue? The people who are, are walking around us, who are, who are working alongside of us, who, who are going to schools with us, who are walking and who are incomplete, who are sick, who need health and wholeness. Only Jesus can give it to them. We have something to say. We have something to say if you've been with Jesus, if, you, if you've come to know him and be made whole by him. By his death, as he said, you know, I lay my life down for the sheep. By his death that he, he died to pay for our sin. And his resurrection that he triumphed over death. That we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear the judgment of our sin. We can know the love of God. We have something to say if we've been with Jesus. You know, when you've been with Jesus, then, then um, you realize that opposition is going to be a part of your life. You know, Peter and John don't seem to make any, you know, uh, comment about the fact that this is weird that they've been arrested, that they're under attack, because they spent years with Jesus watching him be attacked and rejected and treated 
uh, poorly purely because he was loving people and healing people. You know, whether, whether these, the religious leaders were, were jealous of the, the power that they were experiencing or whether they, they were just disagreeing. I mean, some of these people were Sadducees, so they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they might have been disagreeing with the, with the theology of Peter and John, saying, no, the resurrection doesn't, doesn't, isn't real. It's possible, it's possible they could have been threatened. They could have been offended, insulted. You know, Peter does say, well, you guys are the ones that crucified Jesus. He, you know, he points the finger at them. They might have been offended, but it could have been all of those things, Right? But the bottom line is that they, they watched Jesus over and over again be rejected, opposed by, by all sorts of people. So it was normal for them. It wasn't a surprise to them that they were facing opposition as well. This is the thing. So many of us, as we live our lives, we, I, I think we, we try, we, we desperately want our, our lives to be free of conflict. We want our lives to be smooth sailing, we don't want problems, we don't want to deal with opposition, and, and we want life to be as peaceful and, and, and calm as possible. We don't want conflict, right? And so, especially as Christians, we, we kind of expect Jesus to help us with that, to help our lives be as problem-free as possible. But that's not what Jesus promises us. If, if, actually, if you've actually been with Jesus, if you've gotten to know Jesus, if you follow Jesus, then what you should expect is the opposite that your life is full of difficult problems and opposition, even, and rejection. We should expect that. We live in a country that is so, I mean, it is so easy for us to follow Jesus here in a lot of ways. You look in other parts, parts of the world where people, if you follow Jesus, you may die. If you follow Jesus, you may be thrown out of your family. You may be arrested. We, we just, I know some of you guys saw that story about the, that, that big mega church in China that was demolished. I think it was last Sunday morning during worship services. We don't have to worry about a, somebody coming with an excavator and starting to take down the building while we're trying to worship. And yet we start to hyperventilate when we think that you know, uh, our taxes are going to be impacted because we believe in Jesus. We need to expect that there's going to be opposition and realize that, that God can even use that to tell a story that's astonishing, which is what he, what he does here. Not run from it, but trust God as we, as we engage with it. And we need to be fearless. That's the third thing, right? A life, a life that is fearless. A life that's astonishing is a life that's fearless. A life that is not afraid of anything, of anyone. And why are Peter and John not afraid? Because they have been with the one who has risen from the dead, the one who has triumphed over the greatest enemy, the, the enemy that no one can defeat. That is death. Every single one of us faces it and cannot stop it. And yet Jesus has triumphed over it. They have spent time with the one who is God himself, who rules over all things, who sustains all things. They have been with the one who holds them in the palm of his hand. Why should they need to be afraid of what these guys can do to them? They've also known the love of God through the presence of Jesus and through the work of Jesus and through, through the face of Jesus in their own lives. They know that you know, what the, the person whose opinion matters most is God's, and he delights in them because of what Jesus has done. And that message came loud and clear from Jesus as they spent time with him. 
And so they didn't have to worry about what these guys thought of them, what these religious leaders thought of them, or what they might say about them. And they were fearless. That is what being with Jesus and knowing Jesus produces. It produces a life that is fearless, a life that, that cares more about what God thinks than, what about, than, than about what anybody else might think or say. We aren't intimidated. And, and this, this really means so much to me because I've spent so much of my life being a people pleaser, being afraid of what other people might say or what other people might think or what other people might do. But as you spend time with Jesus and know that he has everything in control and know that he delights in me, I don't have to worry about what other people are going to say. I don't have to worry about how other people are going to treat me. I don't have to worry about any of that. I don't have to be afraid. I can live boldly and courageously. And lastly, it's a, uh, we see here that a life that's astonishing is a life that brings healing. How are they able to bring healing to this guy? Because they've been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. They had seen Jesus over and over again display his power over all creation and in people's lives to, to make them whole. And so Peter and John didn't hesitate when they saw this guy this lame man laying by the side of the road at the gate of the temple, they didn't hesitate and say, by the power of Jesus, stand. They had been with Jesus, so it was the most natural thing for Jesus' power to flow through them into the lives of the people around them. Specifically, this man right here. This is what we should hope to see as normal and common in our lives. That because of our experience of the presence of Jesus, that the people around us are experiencing greater and greater healing and wholeness. Does that mean that everybody who is sick becomes healthy and well physically? Not necessarily. But it's, certainly it means that they're experiencing the power of Jesus to make them whole in all sorts of ways in their lives. Yes, maybe physically, but also emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. You know, for me, maybe it's just that that these little kids who live with us right now experience greater health in in understanding how secure they are, how loved they are, by by the fact that I'm willing to, to sit with them on the couch and hug them and read a book to them, right? They experience the presence of God, the presence of Jesus through me as I hug them and tell them that they are special. It's, it's, it's as we spend time with our friends or our spouse, and, and, and they might experience healing through words of encouragement or just time sitting there listening to them. The people around us should be experiencing more and more healing every day, because, not because we have this power in ourselves, but because we have been with Jesus. And we know the only one who can make people whole. We really know him. And so this is it. This is it. The, 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 uh, this is what makes a, an astonishing life out of a common life. It's not working really hard to, to have something to say. Although, you know, like uh, Tyler's been doing the, the second hour class and figuring out, you know, like knowing the, the gospel outline, what, that, what we can share with people. Yes, we, we, it's good to know a, a clear, concise outline of how, the, how people can know who God is and how they can know him. But you can have a, a perfect outline memorized, but if you haven't spent time with Jesus, it's going to be a waste of time. It's going to be empty and hollow. What is the thing that we must do? We need to work as hard as we can at spending time with Jesus. 
at knowing Jesus. That is the task before us. If you want a life that is astonishing, a life that is bringing healing to people around you, a life that has something to say, a life that doesn't run from opposition, a life that is fearless, you need to put all of your effort into getting to know Jesus better and better, spending time with him, looking at how he loved people, thinking about what he has done for you, the fact that he has laid down his life to take the judgment you deserve upon himself so that you can be free, be healthy, so that you can know God is your father. We need to put all our energy into knowing Jesus, into being with Jesus, so that the people around us might start to notice that as well. That's the first thing they notice about us. This person, huh, they've been with Jesus. And that's making all the difference. That is the only thing that will make the difference for us. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us, uh, number one, long for a life that astonishes those around us, that astonishes the world. 